All right, that's our OU Baylor breakdown. Now it's time to talk about the Big 12 and the national scene. And in the Big 12 this week, Kansas at Oklahoma State, somewhat interesting. I suppose these rankings now are updated. Uh, TCU at Texas Tech, West Virginia at K-State, Texas at Iowa State's easily the most interesting game of all of them. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Big 12, Grant, because I want to get to the national scene so you can talk about Minnesota when we get to it. So do you have any thoughts on the Big 12? I don't really have any right now. Actually, you know what? I do have one thing that I want to bring up. Last podcast, you were talking about you know your C.D. Lamb for Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Your campaign is in full force, and we messed up, or at least I messed up. There's one other player that certainly is in the running for that as well. That's a non-quarterback, and that's Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. Chuba's had a great it, season. He Chuba has. Hubbard's had a phenomenal year running the ball, and and so I, I feel like a, a jerk for not throwing in. Of course, Chuba Hubbard is also somebody that can easily be a contender for Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. And in my opinion, I think it, it's between those two guys right now. Uh, I, even though Jalen Hurts is having a fantastic year statistically, you, know, you watch the games as much, you see how dominant CeeDee Lamb has been, and dominance is the perfect word for Chuba Hubbard. Uh, he's, he, I think he's the best running back in college football, and I, he's a fun guy to watch, man. He is so good. He has every single tool. Yeah, so it's I just hard. wanted to point it's, that out. It's hard to argue against his production this season, which has been staggering. I just think CD is better. All right. I think I think I think professional scouts would agree with that as well. On the Chuba Hubbard topic, real fast, Mel Kiper put out a position ranking for the NFL draft prospects for the 2020 draft. Any guess on where he had Chuba Hubbard ranked? It was sixth, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand that one. Who who is that ahead is of him? Patently insane. Oh, I don't have ESPN Plus, so I. I can't bring it up, but it was the you know, usual suspects. You know, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Uh, the only person that I think you could argue could maybe be ahead of him is ETN from Clemson. I think ETN was fourth on the list. He wasn't even number one. They had DeAndre Swift from Georgia ahead of him, which he's good, but he didn't have the power. And honestly, I think Chuba Hubbard's faster than him. Uh, let's see who else. There was a like, Ke- is Keyshawn Vaughn? A running back like from Virginia or, or no or there was a one guy that I hadn't even really heard of much that was like five and then uh, I can't think of the other guy so it I think that's absolutely insane I think Chuba Hubbard is the best running back in college football I think he's easily the best running back in next year's draft class I just don't like, he, he's got every single tool you could ever ask for I, I don't I don't understand why you would not have him so high I mean he's super fast he's big he can run over people he can break tackles he's got great vision He's durable. <laughs> I just don't I, – I, to me, it just means that you haven't watched enough Chuba Hubbard if, if you don't think he's the top running back right now. On the national scene, we have five games to pick. We each went three and two last week, so not too bad, over 500. We've got a, a lot of Big Ten to pick this week, and we'll go kind of quick until we get to the – well, there's two pretty big games, but I'm going to save the Minnesota game for last so we can finish the show, you talking about Minnesota. Uh, first off, this game is somewhat interesting based on the way this Minnesota game went. Indiana at Penn State. Penn State's laying 15. And Indiana's actually a pretty solid team this year. I've only seen them play once, and that was against Ohio State. And Ohio State beats the doors off everybody. But uh, Penn State obviously has 
you know, needs to come back after the loss last week. And, you know, that line is it's it's annoying. You know, 15, it's you know, they got to win by three scores instead of two. Right. So I, I, I would probably lean Penn State minus the 15 on the bounce back because their season's not totally over yet. I know that's a huge loss, but I know they can still potentially I think they can win out and still play for the Big Ten title, can't they? Because they still got to play Ohio State. Yeah, if they went out there in the they're in the Big Tw- the the Big Ten title. So Penn State still has a lot to play for. They have everything to play for. So I, if I had to pick that one, I'd lean Penn State minus the fifteen. Even though I think Indiana is a pretty darn good team, and it's enticing that fifteen points is enticing. But uh, coming back home after that loss, Penn State wanting to right the ship. I, I I'd back James Franklin actually in, in Penn State. What about you? I think I might slightly lean towards Indiana, and here's the handicap. Indiana's a throwing team. I mean, that's that's their bread and butter. And I just watched a Penn State secondary that is that might be legitimately bad. Um, they like, they just multiple guys running free all game against Minnesota. Um, I think I think Penn State is in trouble against teams that can competently complete forward passes. Um, and so right. I like, and I I don't know. I think Indiana might be a good play here for a backdoor cover. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's a good handicap. Even though their their quarterback Michael Penix Jr. is going to be out, but he's also missed a lot of games this season, and uh, his his backup has been has been good. And he, he the, his backup was the starter for two years before him. So, and he you know he he's put some good games together. So I like I, I slightly lean Indiana here. Next Big Ten game to cover, 11 a.m. kick on Saturday, the rivalry game between Michigan State and Michigan. And I want to put this one in here, one, because there's not a lot of great games this week, and two, because Michigan State and Michigan are two teams that we both picked. You picked Michigan State. I picked Michigan to make the playoff this year. (laughs) And, um, I mean, your pick is obviously a lot worse than mine, but they're both bad picks. and Terrible pick. Just trying we to be different. Hate those teams. I mean, we hate those teams. Those teams, like Michigan State is awful. Uh, Michigan State's awful. Northwestern is even more awful. Like, just do they practice offense at during the week, those teams? It just Northwestern has had the same cow. offensive coordinator for like 12 years. How on earth has he not been fired yet? Uh, I don't know, man. It's just so ridiculous. Anyways, Michigan is laying 13 and a half at home against Michigan State. And to me, this is not very scientific, but it's simple. There's a 0% chance I can back Michigan State at all at any point this year, even though I don't like Michigan either. So I would just lean Michigan because of uh, I. how is Michigan State? And that's a rivalry game, so you might you probably should think, oh, let's take the points. But uh, I can't do it. I, I'm, I'm going to lean Michigan, uh, Michigan minus the 13.5 just because I, just, I have no confidence in Michigan State being able to score. I like Michigan here. Um, Michigan State's in total free fall right now. Um, before their game last week against Illinois – they had been really unimpressive, had had put some pretty bad games, you know, back to back to back. And then they get out 28 to three to Illinois and then they end up losing just a complete collapse. Um, Michigan, on the other hand, basically since the first quarter in Happy Valley against Penn State, they've been one of the best teams in the country. They outgained Penn State by nearly 300 yards after the first quarter of that game. And they've just been killing everybody ever since. I think Michigan is probably coming into form against the against the you know the teams that they have a huge talent advantage over like they kind of always do under under Harbaugh and I you know I think I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan wins this game by three or four touchdowns does the whole rivalry factor though make you a bit concerned not really no 
the last year Michigan won by two touchdowns. I was on Michigan State last year, and I remember that game being so excruciating to watch because Michigan State could not move the football. I mean, it was they scored a touchdown, I think, to get within the number. I can't remember what it was, and it was like, oh my gosh, what a relief! And then Michigan went and scored like immediately after that, and Michigan State had no chance to score after that. It was just that team; they just cannot move the ball. I, Michigan State, get out of here! I'm, I'm not betting you. I, I don't trust you to score points. Uh, this next game is hilarious to me. And it's a game that a week ago I was kind of interested in watching because I saw Wake Forest just dominate NC State, who is a bad football team. NC State stinks. But Wake Forest looked competent on offense. And then Wake Forest goes out and I believe got absolutely smoked this past week by Virginia Tech. It was like 36-13, to 13, I think. A Virginia Tech team who was reeling and had so many questions early on in the year and then yeah 36 to 17 granted it was on the road but whatever who cares it's it's not the old virginia tech so uh, wake forest i don't know what they are so here's why it's hilarious i I said this is this is funny wake forest is at clemson and clemson is a 34 and a half point favorite and i know the new college football playoff rankings are out uh wake forest is not in the rankings anymore but they're seven and two they're seven and two when Wake Forest was ranked in the top twenty last week, and just so point being is that Clemson was almost in, against a, a fringe, you know, maybe a top thirty ish team is almost a f- five full touchdown favorite in mid November. That's just how terrible the ACC conference is, and also how good Clemson is. Wake uh, Forest I, is, I mean, in terms of record, are probably a top thirty team. In terms of how good they actually are, they are. They are a fringe top 50 team if we are being generous. <laughs> yeah, and so that lead, leads me up to saying that it's a funny, ridiculous number, and I'm going to still take Clemson minus the 34.5 points because I was on Clemson last week minus a boatload of points against NC State. I think it was like 32 against a terrible NC State team. They're only giving up uh, 2.5 more against Wake Forest, who, I'm sorry, is, is also not very good. So I... There's zero percent chance I would take Wake Forest after the way that offense has looked uh, after last week. So, oh, uh, that's a lot of points. I would just lean, but if I had to play it, I'd, I'll take Clemson. What about you? Yeah, I'll probably end up taking Clemson in this game. It's just going to be a slight lean, and it's only because it's just a lot of points. Um, another so ha- many points. Yeah, another handicap here, Lee. Wake Forest is by far their best player, uh, Sage Surratt, their wide receiver, is out for the season. He will not play in this game. Um, so that, that should probably factor into your handicap as well. Um, a lot of points. Eileen Clemson, Jamie Newman, Wake Forest's quarterback. He's a good player, uh, but take away his number one option. Surratt, Surratt is, is their dude, is the guy who can, who you can put up against anyone in the country and he can produce, uh, take him away from that offense. And I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Wake Forest gets shut out. Surratt had two touchdowns against Vatek. Did he get injured in the middle of that game? Or I think you know? so, yeah. He's, uh, but yeah, confirmed today he's out for the season. He had over 1,000 yards and like 12 touchdowns this year. I mean, that's, that's, pre- that's, ex- that's very major production. All right, so we're both on Clemson. Uh, the, next to OU and Baylor, the next biggest game of the week. And, and now this is uh, – Georgia is now ranked – fourth in the college football playoff rankings so fourth ranked georgia against uh, where's auburn you have the rankings in front of you i think auburn is is still at 11 okay so auburn we'll say 11 so fourth ranked georgia laying two and a half on the road at auburn 
Huh. As you can probably tell, I haven't given much thought at all of these games. So this is just us talking about college football and just giving picks off the cuff. Except for Grant, it seems like he kind of has more of a handicap than I do. I'll start. I lean Auburn. The home okay. the, the the home team with the best defense in the SEC getting two and a half points. Yep, I'm okay with that. I'll I'll, I'll lean Auburn. Although, of course, you know I, um, George actually, you know I I suppose Georgia could probably could probably battle Auburn for best defense in the SEC right now, but it's really close. Um, man, oh, Auburn's twelve. Auburn's twelve, by the way. Oh, are they? So, so Florida must be eleven then. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I, I lean Auburn just because you know, Georgia's offense has been really inconsistent this season. Um, now going up against a really good defensive line, another really good defense. Um, this just kind of seems like a game that Malzahn is going to pull off. Yeah, I kind of I think I lean Auburn too, and it's not the greatest reason. But looking at Georgia's schedule, my goodness, Grant, this is <laughs> Georgia only has four true road games this entire year, and. Before this game against Auburn in a very tough place to play, the only two true road games that Georgia played, the last one was on October the 5th, so more than a month ago, at Tennessee, who is awful and is playing a little better now, but at the time was still pretty awful. And then the season opener, August 31st, at Vanderbilt, who is also awful. This is the easily the, the toughest game of the year. You throw Florida in there, but that's a neutral site game, and I'm this not. This is that definitely high on Georgia's Florida. toughest game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, at Auburn, uh, what did they play? Uh, didn't Auburn? It was 2017, I think. Georgia, yeah, Georgia lost at Auburn. This is whenever Auburn just smoked Georgia back in 2017. So I don't know how much that game factors in, like those t- players that were on that team. But then again, they got back at Auburn last year because they beat Auburn, and they also uh, beat Auburn at, that at year in the SEC championship game in the rematch. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I think I'll I think I'll take Auburn too. So we're both on Auburn. So we've all we've been on the same team except for uh, the first game, Penn State and Indiana. All right, finally, Minnesota. Where did Minnesota go in the the rankings? Where They're are they number now? eight. So Minnesota, number eight. They jumped from seventeen to eight. I'll be totally honest with you. Iowa. I don't. I you know, I suppose it's defensible. I don't understand how Oregon and Utah are ahead of. Minnesota. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. All right. Well, I don't actually. I don't think. I don't think Utah is, but Oregon is. And I just. I don't understand kind of the consensus with Oregon. Especially, especially because I look up and down the rankings, and obviously, I test are a big part of the rankings right now. And Oregon definitely does not pass the I test. Like I don't. Well, they do. Don't they defensively? No, they've they've taken they've gotten much worse defensively as the season has gone. Not like much worse, but they're just they're. Well, let's let's save the college football playoff ranking talk for after you do some Minnesota talk. How about that? Yeah, sorry about that. All right, so Minnesota is going to Iowa, and let's begin with your. I don't know, you know, how much you want to get into it, but you were at the Minnesota Penn State game. It was, by the way, I'll I'll give you a pat on the back. Your handicap of that game last week at this time was spot on. I mean, you nailed it. You pointed out every single every single reason why Minnesota was going to probably win that football game. Hey, uh, yeah, I yeah. actually I want to so another another comment that I made during that handicap, I said that I think that Antoine Winfield Jr is the best safety in college football. Um and you ap- said that after that game that some people would probably 
know who he is now and maybe think that. Yeah. What, do you agree? Do you think he's he's maybe like maybe the best safety you've seen this year? Yeah. Uh, I As mean, I say, it makes me that game makes me it makes me confident that my eyes are are telling the truth, and so, um, kind of the granted. I would like to see him play in a conference that has more teams that can throw the football around. But I, yeah, he, he looked competent. He looked like he was well aware. He was able to go up and the two interceptions he had were nice play. The second one was really easy. I mean, it was a horrible throw, uh, but the first one was a really nice play and he's just, he's around the football. He's got a nose for it. And he can come up and he can stop the run too. So yeah, he's, he's a really good player. Good for so him. So he is a guy Lee who um, his first two seasons in Minnesota, his season ended uh, because of torn Achilles and he's come back from it twice now. Um, and I, I mean, when he was a true freshman starting at strong safety, he was the best player on the team last year when he came back from a torn Achilles, he was the best player on the team. And I'm, I'm just glad he stayed healthy this season because I mean, I, I was seeing it two years ago thinking, oh, wow, the Gophers have an, have an all American caliber guy on their team, on their defense right now. And so I'm just, I'm glad he's been able to stay healthy because he is, he's a guy as a true freshman I remember in 2017 thinking, oh my God, I would love to just to transport him right onto OU's defense and they would be so much better. <laughs> yeah, he was really good. And also I hadn't watched Minnesota extensively at all, all year. The quarterback Tanner Morgan was really impressive to me. He was, he's a darn good player. He's really and those accurate. Receivers, and those receivers were you know, everything that you, you were advertising. I mean, Bateman, Ottman Bell, Johnson, they're all really good. Uh, I mean, they're, they are men amongst boys. And, you know, what was it? Is it Bateman that I think I read something that he, he picked Minnesota over like LSU or Bama or something like that? I mean, he was like one of those he guys was a, that um, PJ Fleck was able to somehow convince to come to Minnesota. Yep. He was a late rising uh, Southeastern recruit from, he's from Georgia. And uh, he, his his recruitment really took off like kind of late in his senior season, and yeah, I mean Bama, Georgia, I think OU even offered him. Uh, you can see why. I mean the guy guy's gonna be a first round draft pick. He is, he's insane. I mean some of the he had a uh, he had seven targets on Saturday, seven catches, two hundred nine yards, and, and and that touchdown. That's you just that's pretty tough. So, but anyway, you know, back to that game, and. Um, it was just it was just really cool, and uh, it, in terms of atmosphere, it, it definitely not the best the best atmosphere of any game I've ever been to. I've I've been to handfuls better, um, but as a as someone who has been, I mean, to probably twenty or twenty five Gopher games in the last you know in the last seven or eight years, it was just really nice to see major college football in that stadium, and that's what it felt like. It felt like major college football. And the crowd was juiced up. The energy was high pretty much the entire game. And um, it, was, it, it was just fun watching a real... That was a really good college football game. Watching guys make plays, watching the skill talent just kind of do their thing, making contested catches was fun. And um, just uh, being able to see that student section empty and the, the stadium empty onto the field was a really cool experience. It's... Uh, I, I was up kind of in the I was in the second deck and I, I didn't go down the field um, so I just watched it and it just looked really cool and the entire time you just had the feeling that you were you were experiencing something that was really memorable and something that was really really special to a lot of people and I thought that was that was just a really cool thing 
And um, Minnesota has has a really has a very old storied history uh, in their college football program, and uh, they don't shy away from it. Ever since I, I started going to school there in two thousand nine. They, they bang you over the head with it. Like, hey, we, we won national championships in the 30s and the 40s. We used to be great. We're trying to get back to that. And, man, I got to tell you, they, it felt like they, they might be getting there on Saturday. That, that's, what that, that's what that place felt like. And it's uniquely college football. I think that's the only sport in this country where you can feel something like that. And I just thought it was really cool. It was something I wish everyone listening to this could have experienced. It was just a, it was a really cool moment. You know, we've been told for the last, uh, I don't know, five, maybe even more years that Texas is back, but who knew? It was actually Minnesota that's back and LSU that's back last weekend. (laughs) Not quite Texas still, because that was a really fun game to watch, and it's crazy that we're now into the middle of November, and Minnesota, of all teams, is unbeaten, and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast, but I know I said this to you at some point, that... I didn't know I I didn't anticipate living to a point in a, in a, my life where it was this late in the college football season and Minnesota's got a better chance to win a national title technically than Oklahoma probably does <laughs> make the playoff. I mean, it's not technically, but you know what Oklahoma I mean. Oklahoma doesn't Oklahoma, have Minnesota's to play Ohio a, State in a conference championship. Game. No, they don't. No, they don't. But Minnesota's got a great win on, the, on its resume. Minnesota hasn't lost a game yet, and it's yeah, it's really cool to you know. I'm watching from afar, but. You know, obviously, you knowing you, you know, obviously you went there, and you know our sister went to Minnesota, and we have tons of friends that went there as well. And yeah, you know, obviously we're from Minnesota, and we didn't, you know, go for football was, you know, when we were in high school, they were always the constant. It was a joke. They were always constant, like seven and five under Glenn Mason, and or you know maybe they'd win eight games and won the bowl game, and they were always kind of like whatever. And then under Jerry Kill. They might have had maybe one good year. I don't like maybe, but it was they still had, not even that good. They had two really terrible seasons under Jerry Kill. And then um basically trying how long was he? I think he was there for five years. Then he had three straight years where he went like seven and five. They had a nine and four season where they had a pretty decent team. And then his last season they went like six and six. My opinion of Jerry Kill as a football coach is not is not particularly high. That guy is not uh well, same here. Right. Yeah, he's just he 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 doesn't fit in 2019 football. Uh, the point being is they've always kind of just been a middle of the road or an afterthought, and it's just it's nuts that in 2019 now with PJ Fleck and what his third year, third this is year his third PJ year. Fleck, yep, right? yep. And he, good for him, man. He's got them in the top top ten undefeated this time of the season, and now they're going from one incredibly tough opponent at home to the second best team they played all year and this one on the road at Iowa and I know you know more about the rivalries at Minnesota than I do because Minnesota's got a ton of these rivalry games which one is the Iowa game it's the Floyd of Rosedale it's the giant pig statue giant pig (laughs) and so Minnesota's at Iowa and not surprising Iowa is favored and I was favored by two and a half I think the easy handicap for me and it's not even a handicap it's just how do you go against the Gophers at this point but you know, you could you could say, hey, this is a tough row game, the first tough row game of the year. Iowa is not going to take this team lightly. Iowa wants to play spoiler. Iowa's always got a really good defense. But my counter to that would be Iowa is you know, very rarely shown the kind of outside talent on the edges like Minnesota clearly has, and that's what 
uh, Penn State struggled against for a lot of that game. So for me, I'm going to go right back to the well here. I, you're going to give me points with this Minnesota team that's just really feeling themselves, and I'm not that afraid of a letdown. I, this team is so confident in itself, and I don't think I was as good as Penn State. And I think Oklahoma, I think Minnesota is going to be so geeked up and excited to play this game, even though it's on the road. That's fine. It's a tough place to play, but it's a three o'clock kick. It's not a night game. Uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and I like Minnesota. I'll take the points here. What about you? I mean, it will be a night game for the second half. Yeah. Um, I like Iowa. <laughs> um, this is. I had a feeling. Yeah. I had a feeling you did. Yeah, and so uh, here's the handicap. Um, I, the reason I like Iowa is because, is, is because of something I saw in the second half of that game against Penn State. Uh, Minnesota's insistence on, on running the ball almost got them beat on Saturday. Um, their very obvious advantage against everyone they play are their NFL receivers against whoever the other defense is going gonna, is gonna to throw out there. And simply put, Minnesota doesn't throw the ball enough. They're they're at, they're at like a 70-30 split run pass. Can you believe that for the for the receivers that they have? Say that again. They're at a 70-30 run split. Oh, wow. Run pass split. And um wow, yeah. Basically my Jeez. my thought process is I th- and and that is I mean that's what they've tried to do. They tried to they've all they've tried to force the run game all season long, which is why they almost got beat in September three times before their offensive line uh kind of came of age and I think I think they're going to probably be stubborn try to come into Iowa and they're going to try to play Iowa's style of football and it's not going to go very well for them I think if Minnesota right. is going to win this game it's going to be a just a, a drawn out fist fight that they're going to have to win on a last second field goal and it's going to be like 18 to 17 or something like that uh that's that's the only way I, I really see Minnesota winning this game. Like they're gonna have to come in with a with a mindset of we're gonna have to punch them in the punch them in the mouth uh, because you know that's what Iowa is gonna want to do. Um, if I was Minnesota's coaching staff, what would my game plan be? I would come in and I would throw the ball all around the yard because that is where your biggest advantage is. And honestly, if they would have done that in the second half against Penn State, they would have won that game by two or three touchdowns. Penn State came out and was manned up on their NFL receivers the entire game and never came off of it. And I, I just I don't understand why Minnesota continued to run into eight and nine man boxes. It made no sense to me. Hmm. Well, you know the public is gonna hammer Minnesota. Yep, probably points. And so I just this is a uh, I keep trying to tell all my buddies we all graduated from the U and they're all I mean, they're all geeked and they're all excited. And of course they are. They've never experienced something like this as college football fans. Um, and all of them are, are shocked that the Gophers are, are underdogs. And I just, I'm just not shocked at all. Oh, no, um, this it's not is surprising a, at all. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a, this is just perfect letdown spot. Perfect. Going, they, they just, everybody on that roster for Minnesota just played the biggest football game of their life and they won. And now they got to go on the road and the, and by far the toughest environment they faced all season long. And they got to win a fist fight. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. And Iowa, Iowa coming home after a couple of road games took Wisconsin to the brink last week in Madison. And you know, Kirk Ferentz is always going to have that Iowa team playing hard. I mean, they never quit. I mean, there's never like if I was an Iowa fan, I would never be concerned about this team like not being ready. I feel like Iowa always seems to to be somewhat ready to go and have some sort of game plan because they have an identity. 
It's it's ugly. It's gross football for the most part. But Kirk Ferentz, he wins more games than he loses. And every once in a while, he'll beat a team that he's not supposed to beat. And technically, he's supposed to beat this Minnesota team because they're two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. But, uh, yeah, that's – yeah, I'm not – it's definitely more of a lean now to Minnesota that I think more about it. And you've kind of convinced me. But, uh, boy, I you know, when push came to shove at the end of the week last week, I ended up going against my gut and going with Penn State in the game we play, and that was wrong. I ended up going against my gut with LSU, and I was wrong about that. So, yeah, at some point, I probably should try keeping track of all the times I go against my gut and don't go against my gut and see what the overall record of that would be because I'm sure it probably evens out over time. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with my gut for this one right now with Minnesota. All right, lastly, uh, geez, I might break this one into two parts again. This is another super long podcast. My goodness. Um, college football playoff rankings. Last week we didn't have them in the podcast. Now we do, so we might as well talk about it a little bit And it comes to Oklahoma. Again, I don't care about the rankings that much. I, I really don't care. Uh, Oklahoma's 10 now. Uh, I'll go top 10. Oklahoma 10, Penn State 9, Minnesota 8. Yeah, Utah seven and Oregon six ahead of Minnesota is a bit interesting, but ultimately, not sure. Whatever. I don't get it. I, I'm honestly. I mean, Minnesota's going to have a chance to win games and jump them, though. So I mean, that's that's why they put these rankings like this because if Minnesota beats Iowa, I can totally see Minnesota jumping Utah or Oregon or both. I guess you know, I'm more. They be ten and zero with another ranked win, and so I, mean, I don't understand what distinguishes up. Utah ahead of OU. What is it? Let's see, Utah's loss was to USC. Got blown out. I guess Utah's, they probably see Utah's more of a complete team because one side of the ball isn't playing poorly right now, even though you could argue that Utah's offense has always been kind of meh. But, you know, Kyle Whittingham's defense always seems to be pretty solid. I don't know. I mean, they got shredded by USC, but other than that, I think Utah's been pretty good defensively. But who have they played? I I mean, their best win is at Washington. Washington's 6-4. and Um, I mean, OU's best win is Texas, and is that what's Texas six and three? Six and three. And Texas is actually still in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, OU, OU not, has a win so. against a team in the rankings. Utah and Oregon do not. Hmm. OU, I think, even Utah and Oregon, I think, even largely over the course of the season, OU has been more impressive in their victories than Utah and Oregon have been. So I'm I'm kind of confused, and like this is not, this is, I, I and I've seen people put Oregon kind of in the playoff ahead of OU if they all went out. If OU guys, if OU wins out, they're going to be in the playoff. It's just it, it's setting up pretty perfectly for them, and they they do like they're going to have the op- an opportunity at three top twenty five wins coming up here, and two of them are going to be on the road. Utah and Oregon are not going to have any sort of uh, any sort of opportunity for for that, and geez, man, like. And next week, Alabama is going to be playing an FCS team, while OU <laughs> is playing a, a Power Five team. And like I, this is I'm I'm fairly certain that if OU can win out and win the Big Twelve title, they're going to be in the playoff. Yeah. So Utah's best win of the season. Yeah. I mean Washington, or you can say Arizona State, but Arizona State's struggling big time right now. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I mean they got. I think Utah's a bit on upset watch this week. They play UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're at home though. UCLA's at home. Or, I'm sorry, Utah's at home. I, I don't know. I mean, is UCLA they a bit of like a winning streak right now? Yeah, they've yeah, won they've three won in a row. Three I in think. a row, but I mean, they 
I mean, they beat Arizona State, but Arizona State's in free fall. They beat Colorado. Colorado's awful right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same as last year. Chip Kelly's got his team playing better at the end of the season. So, I guess you got to give credit for UCLA not giving up on the year. I mean, think about how easy it would be for these college kids to, you know, when you're one in five, to just be like, gosh, who cares? But, I mean, they've won three games since, three in a row, and you know, good for them. But, yeah, I think you made a good point, though. It's, that's why I don't care that much about these rankings because it's all it's, they set these rankings up to where certain teams have all these positive results ahead of them if they can take care of business, and Oklahoma certainly is one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. So and Minnesota. I think, and I, I think it's likely if, if OU wins this weekend and they do it impressively, they're probably going to jump up to, like, number six. And, they're, like, they're, they're going to jump Utah and Oregon. Okay. Because they would have, they would by far have the best win out of those. Because I, I just, it kind of bugs me that Oregon's resume right now is that they lost to Auburn. It, it just bugs me is all. And who was the best win against, because Oregon had a pretty good win their last time out. Oregon's they? best win is the same as Utah's at, at Washington. And, that was, and those, were, those were games, both of them, that Utah and Washington, or Utah and Oregon largely got outplayed in both of those games and were pretty fortunate to win. Yeah, and I mean, fortunate just barely beat Washington State after they beat Washington. I mean, but that was an impressive drubbing of USC in a time where Oregon is at that point where they need style points. So Iowa State's a lot better than USC, <laughs> but uh, Oklahoma I still could have Iowa gotten a little more style points. Iowa State is better than Oregon. No, <laughs> oh, come on. I, it's it's not that crazy. Like who is? Well, the thing is, Iowa State can't finish. I mean, Oregon still is been able to finish and get one so I, I think that's no I don't think Iowa State's better than Oregon no agree to disagree I, I just I'm not <laughs> I and I, I'm just not impressed with Oregon at all I think Utah is better than Oregon let it all get worked out I that's what John and I talked a little bit about on on his podcast and you know he's pretty skeptical about Oklahoma's chance we talked Monday before the new playoff ratings came out but uh, after the Iowa State game the close win he he thought that would take a you know a, a, a huge hit to Oklahoma because we all know the schedule is not great for Oklahoma uh, leading up to right now. And Oklahoma kind of knew going into the game that at this point of the year, they need style points and Oklahoma didn't deliver. And I think those are good points, but I was telling him that I, you know, I'm more positive. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm like you, I'm still pretty positive about Oklahoma making the playoff. And it's because what you were saying weeks ago is I just, a one loss champion. They're not going to leave that team out. I don't think uh, in lieu of a, uh, of a one loss non-champion. And I realized that you could get this thing as like a lot of people right now are saying LSU is in like, no matter what, right. Even if they were to lose the sec championship game to, it would have to be Georgia. And in that case, I do think that that would be kind of scary for Oklahoma fans. If Oklahoma takes care of business, if Georgia does go into the sec title game and beats a number one LSU, that might be the one instance where I could, see the committee's thing and well LSU's been so good all year and they their one loss was to Georgia in the in a championship game setting even though they didn't win their conference and have one loss they're never will still put them in over uh you know a one loss champion in another conference I I you know I I would be a bit worried about that I, think. I don't think the committee is ever going to put in a one loss a one loss team that did not win their conference over a conference champion that has that has equal or less losses than they than that other team does. I, I don't think so, they're going to do it. So in your theory, if 
if that does happen and LSU wins out and plays Georgia as as Georgia wins out, Georgia beats Auburn this week and it's what would it be a 12 and 0 LSU versus 11 1 Georgia and Georgia wins that game, based on your theory that means that the playoff committee would basically treat the SEC title game as a playoff game. No, I think they would I think they would almost certainly take LSU and Georgia in that's in that scenario. Well, that's what I was that's what I was just saying. No, I wasn't I wasn't countering your point. I was just making a different point. They're not going to Alabama got picked in 2017 because the other conference champions had two losses. That's it. Well, the scenario I just brought up though would mean that a team that had a championship and either the same amount of wins or the same amount of losses would get left out though. Yeah, but LSU and that's would have the 12 wins though. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think. I, I think. Yeah, in this, so that's I, why I'm saying that that would be a concern. I mean, so basically, yeah, sure, that's a concern. Auburn beating Georgia this week would be pretty nice. Yeah, that'd be good. But I don't. It's. I don't know. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, I just. I, I'm. I'm along with you. I don't. I really don't care about the playoff rankings right now. Because if OU if OU gets beat on Saturday, it doesn't matter anyway. Who cares? Just yeah, just take care exactly. of what's in front of you, and it's going to work out. If you are a one-loss conference champion at the end of the season, you're going to have a really, really good shot to getting in there. And I think I think OU is 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 likely to get the benefit of the doubt again if they if they get to that point. But man, I mean they they still got still got four games they're going to have to win to do that though. The last thing, all the SEC fans, you're going to hear about how you know Bama now is at five, and yeah, they had a, you know, a close loss to LSU. I just, I think Bama's done. Bama's out. I, I just don't, unless crazy things happen and like a bunch of teams start losing and then opens the door, sure. But if there's a bunch of one-loss conference champions and then it's Georgia, LSU, and the, I just don't know how you can say Bama's got a chance. If there's a, again, if there's a bunch of one-loss conference champions plus like it's Georgia and LSU, I just, I just, the only I just I just argument for Bama is because it's Bama at this point. I do not I I just do not accept eye test as as criteria for this for the thing. And I know I know people use it. It's obvious that people use it, but it just it opens up some serious logical concerns if that's what you use. Because in that sense, why why was Notre Dame in the playoff last year then? Eye test says Notre Dame was a was oh, a okay. was barely a top ten team last year by the eye test. Why were they in? Oh, I mean Notre Dame. I test that that was definitely top five team. No, most Georgia. certainly not. Notre Dame was not better than Oklahoma, and they were not better than Georgia. Well, no, but those are top four teams. Or Georgia was a top five team, I guess. Where was so that's Georgia? what I'm saying. Like you're you're going to open yourselves up for a lot of like really inconvenient logical inconsistencies if that's all you want to talk about, because you can you can go up and down every single playoff, and in terms of the eye test, there's teams that had no business being there. And you 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 can't you can't have sports like that, you just can't do it. So yeah, that's I just think I just want to bring up the Alabama thing because it's just we'll see how the season plays out. A lot of things can happen, but if craziness does not happen again, I just think that Alabama's got to be on the outside looking in because there's so many teams that have schedules ahead of them that should give them the opportunity to jump Bama. Based on the, I, mean, I know Bama's got Auburn still to play, but. Um, and but, I also still think the SEC yeah. should be uniquely penalized for playing those FCS teams in the middle of November. Yeah. That is chicken bleep. That's garbage. Uh, 
you'll, you'll never get any arguments from me on that. That's just so bad for the fans too. That late in the year, and you're you're going to a game where your your team is playing Samford or you know, name your the Citadel, or you know that is ridiculous. I mean, at least in uh, Oklahoma played South Dakota. Oklahoma very rarely ever plays FCS teams. And they did it, and they played it in September when all these Big Twelve teams play them. They play them in. I mean, it's not just Big 12, but the other conferences, too, play these teams early on in the year, get them out of the way, and have the, the bigger games late in the year. So, yeah, that's a good point, too, because that is ridiculous. And they I know the SEC, the, the you know, the kind of the canned line of response to that was always, oh, well, it's the SEC. It's We play tough games every single week. It's okay that we get this. No, not in your 14, not in your 14-team conference. You don't anymore. Um, no. Arkansas is hideous. Vanderbilt is hideous. There's a lot of bad teams in the SEC. And just look at Alabama's schedule. They've played an absolute cupcake of a schedule. They have no business playing a freaking FCS team in the middle of November. I mean, Kentucky's bad this year. I mean, they're I mean, they're using like a wide receiver. Missouri's bad. I think. Uh, Missouri, I mean, I know that, uh, what's his name? The quarterback's been injured. Uh, Kelly Bryant. So, yeah, he's, you know, South Carolina's Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the two Mississippi schools are, are very down. And you got A&M, who always seemed to be ranked for the first eight weeks of the year, and finally A&M's not ranked uh, because they're just they're Texas A&M again. I mean, it's when Kevin Sumlin was there, they were perpetually 8-5, and five, and it looks like with Jimbo Fisher, they might be perpetually 8-5 and five again. Uh, I think what would they go last year? Uh, maybe 9-4. Yeah, 9-4 and four last year with the bowl win. Right now, a and six and three. They got South Carolina, which should be a win, but then they got Georgia and LSU to end the season. <laughs> so, I mean, anyways, I know we're kind of rambling on the SEC, but uh, I think this is going to be another podcast that I break up into two parts because we've gone incredibly long. That's all the thoughts I have on the college football playoff and the, this college football scene right now, Grant. I will throw it over to you in case you have any more takes you'd like to get out there as we finish up this, uh, what's going to end up being part two of another marathon long midweek podcast i think that was good i think we got everything um i'm just kind of it's it's crazy once we get into november right and like the the weeks are now just are just chock full of like impactful and good games remember kind of like until last week it seemed like we maybe had one or two weeks with a good slate and Mm so i i think a lot of this has to do with conferences backloading their schedules though so it sort of makes sense Sure. And also, I just thought of this one thing, too. We can talk about this in perpetuity. We always I always like bringing it up and I'll give credit to Clay Travis because I was listening to his show for Monday and he was talking about the week in college football and all the different teams that won and all the different teams that are still alive to make the playoff. And he brought up the fact, again, the, the point of think about all the different people in the past that argued against a playoff and thought it would ruin college football and make it bad. Fast forward to now, and there's all these teams that are still vying for a spot, and the season still matters quite a bit more than it would have otherwise. It just shows, again, how ridiculous an argument would be to not have a playoff, and right now, with only four, how ridiculous an argument it is to not want more teams in the playoff, because then it would expand and make it more interesting for even more clubs, more programs. I do think that there's probably a, a number where there's too many teams in there, but it's certainly not four. Four is still too few, and you could still add more. Logically, we've added two extra teams, and it's the college football season. I think everyone would say the college football season is much better than it used to be. 
I think logically then if you add more teams, it'll be even better. I do think that at at some point if they were to it was like the NFL or not sorry, if it was like the NBA and like somehow half of college football made some sort of postseason tournament, then maybe you would get to the point where that's obviously ridiculous. But again, at four teams, it certainly is fair to say that if you added more teams that would make a playoff, it would make the season even better. Just like how when you added two extra teams to a playoff, it made the season infinitely better. And I just wanted to point that out too before we go. Do you have anything you want to add on that? Or do you, I know you agree on that. Just uh, I don't know if I would agree. Like I, the last couple seasons have like sucked. To be honest with you, and <laughs> I don't what. How? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sucked. still I, I'm still trying to formulate my thoughts on it, is all. I, I'm not sure, because I, I definitely feel differently about it. I am starting to at least come around to understand where people are coming coming from when they say that the playoff has, like... I, 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 can't, I can't describe it, but it has made the regular season less enjoyable. And I don't... I, I, I'm still workshopping the take. I don't know. It's just a feeling right now that I haven't been able to articulate is all. So I will work on that and I will oh, report back yeah, to you. Yeah, work on that because I just don't understand how how you could think that the season is less enjoyable because... Because it, the playoff talk is awful. It's not... So you're basing inter- off of just talk. Yeah, but that's but that is, that's that's what the sport revolves around now. Like, playoff talk is excruciatingly terrible. And not interested. Participate in it, though. Don't participate in it. Just pr- enjoy the games. I mean, that's what I enjoy is the games and knowing that your sure. team has a chance to make the playoff. I mean, but I mean, here's what people on ESPN and all that stuff said. You can just fast forward through that. That's just you know they got to fill radio space. They got to fill TV space. Well, I mean, but I mean, part the national conversation is part of what makes college football fun, though. Hmm. And um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I don't. I I'm not able to fully articulate it yet. It's just a feeling that I felt. It's just it's, and I I I'll admit that a, a lot of it is purely emotional. But I just like with with all the talk now about like when people just three weeks ago were talking about the SEC getting three teams in, and like, I can't deal with that crap, man. That stuff is excruciatingly awful. <laughs> That's just a bizarre. So you think that if there was just a BCS system again and no, and I don't there, think there that. wasn't a, and I, a discussion about three teams and that would be better. No, I I, I don't like I, I'm and, so yeah, and that's why I think there's think I, through I, your take. There's a yeah. give and take. Well, I'm not. I don't have a take. I just that's I, what I mean. Like I'm trying figure it out. I'm I'm basically saying I have had nowhere near as much fun watching college football the last two seasons, and I'm trying to decide why is that the case. Interesting. And 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 I three and I have found myself being really frustrated when people talk about the playoff. Okay. Man, the last three seasons of college football to me has felt all felt exactly the same. It's great. I enjoy it. As as long as Oklahoma's in the mix, it's fun. Like every single week is for the most part fun. It's great. Now if Oklahoma were to lose and be out of it by the start of November and it wasn't as important in Norman and, and for this podcast, then I think it wouldn't be as interesting to me because the team that we all root for would not be in the mix. So therefore, you know, who cares? And maybe a part but, of this too is in 2016 when the Sooners had two losses in September and were out of the playoff hunt there, I had way more fun that season than I have the last two years. Wow. And I, I well, clearly and, you and I experienced the college football season quite a bit differently then. So, well, I know I just, I just like, I understand where you're coming from. I just, I'm, 
it's, I don't know. These are, these are emotions you got to work through. And I don't know, like it's, I get, I get upset when the playoff is just, is, is so routinely brought up and it's, that's all that, that's all people want to talk about. And I just, it's, it's great. I know, like, I love the playoff when it actually gets here. I think the games are great, but just, I don't know. There's something about it that just, that is starting to irk me and starts to, starting to bug me. All right. Well, keep workshopping that and formulating it and maybe you can be and that's not to say i don't think point. like i i and that's not to say i don't think the the answer is to go back to like the old bull alliance system and vote on the chance that's not the answer that's a that's a terrible system um but yeah i'm just i'm just trying to figure it out is all all right that is it for today enjoy ou baylor at 6 30 on saturday we'll be back monday or maybe sunday depending on if i get the podcast up fast enough to talk all about that game. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.